You are listening to Future Net Zero, a platform to help businesses and the wider community improve our lives and our planet by achieving net zero. Welcome to our new podcast series, Gaia Says No, in which we will explore the nature and impact of human activities on the planet. Join Future Net Zero founder Summit Bose, along with environmental campaigner Angus Forbes and analyst Alex Moward. There will be some strong language. Yes, welcome to episode five of Gaia Says Now. Now, if you were listening last week, we were going to do technology, but we've usurped that because we've got uh, a special guest today and we're going to talk about authority. Before I introduce her, let me bring in the boys from the black stuff, the green stuff, whatever stuff that saves the planet. Angus and Alex, how are we gentlemen, Angus? Yeah, very well, Simon. Thank you so much. And Alex, I need the one word. Last week it was punchy. What's the word this week? I'm giving you a bonus. Cautiously optimistic today. Ah, that's too many, too many. And I am delighted to say we have a wonderful lady joining us, Cindy Ford. Hello, Cindy. Hi, Sumit. Hi, everyone. Cindy, you know Angus, sadly, don't you? I mean, this is a a weight many of us have to bear, but I think crushingly for you, isn't it? Well, I wouldn't say that, Sumit. I think Angus is a very courageous and inspiring um, person to know. So I'm sorry uh, I can't oblige you there with any... Oh, activity. God. You, you paid her already, didn't you, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's worth every penny. Today's discussion, uh, ladies and gents, remember to uh, follow us on your podcast series and also uh, at FutureNetZero. You can use the hashtag FutureNetZero and also Gaia Says No. Today's episode is about authority, and we're going to talk to Cindy because she's an expert on this sort of area. But before we bring her in formally, let's just talk very briefly, boys, about what authority means. What do you mean by authority, Angus? Because I would think we discussed in last week's episode about the GPA. We also talked about, you know, the formation of the United Nations. But when you say authority, people would think, well, you're talking about authoritarianism, you know, someone controlling us. That's not exactly what you, what you mean by that, do you? No, it isn't, Simon. I, I think the word authority, um, one has to think very carefully about. Um, it's, the, it's the ability to have power to exert uh, regulation or, you know, a certain governance structure. I think we have to think about, you know, the, the incessant and, and right approach of humans to try and build good governance and good authorities to deliver them particular functions of utility, particular outcomes. When something's going a bit wrong, let's say the destruction of the biosphere, one can easily say the authorities are wrong. We, you know, mm. it, it, it's a nasty word. Yeah. But then I think it's about saying, what is the right authority? What's the right governance structure? And I know Alex has said this many times during our podcast series, that you know, he really believes in regulation. I'm sure he'll expand on that. And regulation comes from an authority that the, and the people allow it to exist. So it's always bottom up. It's always that allocation of personal sovereignty so that we search for and obtain the right authority for the times. The, the, the one I'd just slightly add to that, and I agree with all of that. The other thing is, authority is who do we trust because these are complex questions and complex choices Uh, and in today where there's so many opinions in so many different formats who who has 
a good balance of the information who's who we can actually trust and as, as we've been hearing from the police you know there is yeah. policing by consent so i think there is you know that authority by consent on this topic is needed too and, and i suppose the, the thing is you know we look at it and it's a very difficult word authority because it has connotations of you know pinochet and regimes like that and people being subjugated but i suppose since we've, we've really formed societies we've had authorities if you go back to the days of the greeks even before that you know even feudal systems had some form of authority a chief or something didn't they oh, absolutely and and you know the allocation of personal sovereignty that willingness to have an authority um is nearly always a show of hands at the end of the day uh whether it be via a long march or the ballot box or hands in a room people are effectively always voting something into existence or indeed to remove something it's just a name you know is the united states of america when it was founded in 1776 an authority mm. i would argue it is is mm. the federal government of germany an authority i would argue it is so uh, let's not be afraid of the word authority because it's part of our lives it's part of the human condition um, when there's two or three of you in a room, you're, I think you're in, instinctively searching for great outcomes um, and often that involves great governance. Well, I think this is a good point to, to bring in Cindy. So Cindy, could you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your dealings with the word authority? Because I know you've, you've worked with uh, nation states, you've worked with the UN, but a little bit about your background, please, for for our listeners. Well, first of all, uh, Simit, thank you very much for the introduction as an expert on authority, but I'm certainly not <laughs> that. Um, what I would say is I'm somebody who's lived with authorities that they don't recognise. I think my life has been spent living with rec authorities that I don't recognise and dedicated to changing the rules and therefore changing who has authority. So that's, that's where my experience comes. And I'd, I'd like to whiz through that fairly quickly because I, I'm much more interested in examining what is authority or how, yes. that, how we might, um, you know, how we understand that. I was a teenage activist for my sins, you know, very much on the barricades for the environment movement, for the anti-apartheid movement, you know, the, 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 um, the, the hard frontline protests. And from then I moved into activism inside corporations. I was there kind of pioneering the corporate sustainability movement in various sectors, finance being one of those, which is really dancing with the, you know, at the heart of the paradox, really. Mm. And, uh, and then from there, I've kind of moved, I've been physically moved around the world. So I've been lucky enough to advise governments. I, mean, I worked a little bit with the UN Environment Programme and then kind of come out the other side, really, because I'm not sure how much we can change within the systems that exist. I think we're working with authorities that are really unevolved in terms of where we need to be as a species to be successful on planet Earth. So I've now formed um, my own company, which is looking at really re-educating and educating children very differently from the world go. So they are equipped for the transformation we're going to need to make as humans if we want to um, continue with our own authority to live on planet Earth, if you like. Um, so having said that, uh, Sumit, what I would like to do is have a little look at what is authority. If that's well, yes, I mean, let, let's, let's start with what you've just said, though, so people get an idea. And activism, you know, we always see activism as railing against the, the authority, yeah? 
whether it recently it's Extinction Rebellion, uh, before that, decades ago, the poll tax, uh, environmentalism, anti-apartheid, Black Lives Matter right now, all these things, they always seem to be sort of anti-authority. And yet, as we've just already done in this very brief intro, without authority, we, we would have a breakdown. So just let's explore that. Do we need authority? Because you said there that, you know, you think that the system right now is untenable. It doesn't really match what we need. But we do need something, don't we, Cindy? Yeah, I definitely think we do. And I think, um, you know, so it depends, you know, what that, you know, that does lead into what is authority. I mean, as a small child, we recognise our parents as an authority. As we grow, get a little older, yeah. it's the parameters of our school or our institutions. And then we come to understand our state as one of our major authorities. And, and possibly as we evolve into see ourselves as global citizens. But I think we need now to see beyond that. I think that's generally the, the, what, where people tend to see authority within their, um, you know, within those, those constructs. And I think in order for us to be successful on earth now, we have to see beyond those man, very man-made authorities, because as far as I'm concerned, there's a higher authority and that, that's Gaia, the earth herself. And there's a very clear set of rules that make life on earth here possible. And, and our authorities need to obey those rules rather than the other way around. There's a book that was written in 1969 called by Buckminster Fuller, who most of you will probably know. He's, a, he's an incredible architect, systems thinker, futurist. And this is a very interesting book that was written before you know, we've seen where we've got to now. And it's called Operating Manual for Spaceship Earth. Right. In that book, he explores, um, you know, almost our, he looks at Earth as a global interconnected system and he explores our evolution, the evolution of the development of our modus operandi. So from creating the first tools in our cave days to shape and control our immediate environments to a gradual realisation that we now affect the controls of the biosphere. Yes. So we need you know, we, they are clear operating principles and boundaries for our planet. We've got some that are much more simple to understand, like the water cycle, the carbon cycle, the nitrogen cycle. And there's some that we're only beginning to become aware of. There's the remarkable and brilliant work done by Johan Roxton at the Stockholm Resilience Centre, which looks at planetary boundaries. So we're in, it's increasingly obvious that we can't operate safely unless we operate within the limits of what planet Earth will sustain. And I think that's really, you know, we can see that's beginning to grow. You can see it in our global governance with the advent of the UN SDGs, but we really need to tap into uh, the authority that the, the principles that Earth operates on to shape the rules of our own authorities, which at the moment, if I can go on to say. Yeah, no, go, go. Yeah, are very, very adolescent. I mean, if you look at, in, in developmental terms, we're an adolescent species. Um, you know, we're behaving. Uh, I think we're still toddlers, Cindy. <laughs> Possibly, Sumit. Smashing things up. Still. Smashing things up, exactly. I mean, it seems like we've overdosed, particularly our, the leaders that we have. We've got they've overdosed yeah. on all the party things, and they're trashing up the house. That's Trump, Johnson, Bolsonaro, Scott Morrison. They're at this stage of development. They want the party to go on and on for their friends because it really does only serve this this you know this elite group. And they haven't really got the sense to see that soon their parents are going to come home and the party's going to be over for everyone. And in this case, I'm talking about the parent is 
mother nature it's Gaia's house and we're on Gaia's time and if we can't you know look after the house in the way that that parent wants us to then we're, we're out mm. and I think we can influence our success or our failures here as uh, you know as change makers I think that's what we're all on this call for uh, and it's about now trying to shift the authority um, like we've seen the great freedom fighters the leaders of the slave rebellions the leaders the, the women's suffrage movement the civil rights movement the anti-apartheid movement you know we many of us have to live within rules that don't make sense to us and are very dangerous yeah. to our i to our I, yeah. I buy into everything you're saying Cindy. but the, the, the issue with all of those things is that there are immediate specific interests and specific goals generally within nations aren't they so slave trade slightly different but for example uh, freedom for india you know championed by gandhi the work of martin luther king there were certain specific goals this is so amorphous isn't it because someone in tahiti wants something slightly different from the planet earth than someone in toronto or in tutti and and you know our our way that we can influence the planet we we we, we can't say oh we're all doing this together because we're not. We're all doing things very differently and disparately because of the nature of authority right now being nation states. Well, I think that's, um, you know, that's, that's obviously a very good point, uh, Sumit. But I do think that we are starting to develop the capacity to see that there is a common goal that all of us want. And without that, individual goals that we're interested in aren't going to happen anyway. And I, I think the, the common goal is having a planet that's healthy enough to live somewhere on. to live yeah absolutely regardless and i think people are beginning to um to understand that we can't move forward on anything that's individually um important to us and i think that what's very encouraging is what we're seeing happening in in generation gen z i think they really are trans they refer to themselves as gen z not a nation yeah. the technology has really given them the ability to connect up and see themselves and communicate and collaborate um, as a generation and they're really doing that i mean there's TikTok, which can be used for utter inanity, but it's being yes. used for incredibly powerful purposes by these young people. I think what we saw in, um, you know, what they, they've learned how to cyber bully Trump. I think they're really getting um, a sense of their own collective power and that the, the big goals that they want can be can be achieved by moving in this really connected connected way. And they, you know, the, the little things or the, the local things, I should say, not little, you know, you can achieve through your local of pressure groups, authorities, voting systems, but the big things, they know that they have to join up as a planetary community to get those to happen. What, 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 what do you think? I mean, you take, you, you take a view that seems to suggest that it is the, the classic, you know, I'm old enough to remember the series on telly, Citizen Smith, you know, power <laughs> to the people, right? Um, but, but my question would be, Gen Z, Gen Z, I have to call it Z, I can't do Gen Z, but Gen Z, you know, these young kids, they, they, their attention spans are like gnats, you know, they, they come, they go, this is something that they click on, it's very clickbaity, it's like, I like something, that means I've participated, I like the Black Lives Movement, I, black, I like something about the planet, I've, I've just done it. Do you really think that there's enough in their, their drive to do the things that we need to make this change? Well, I think it's going to be a transgenerational approach. I think I mentioned Gen Z, I'm not saying I'm pinning all my hope on the, <laughs> on the thing, but I think they're a very interesting generation and they have to be part of this. Well, I do because, think- Because they're so, because they're so connected. 
because they're so connected. And I also think it's, I don't think we should underestimate them and just, you know, think that they, all they do is click. They're very, they can be very engaged. Again, we can't generalize about a whole generation of people, but um, I know, I know my, I have a 16 year old. I reserve what she does with her friends. I get connected into things mm -hmm. and I'm in other, you know, young people's groups. They are really concerned. They, they're bypassing things, which I find interesting. They know that the curriculum at school isn't teaching them the things that they need to know about how to survive on planet Earth, climate change, you know, histories. We've seen that with the, you know, the demand for proper information that's coming out of the Black Lives Matter movement. And they, they think, look, we, we're getting more information from social media and TikTok than we, about the war in Yemen, about climate change, about black history than we are in school and they really are looking for information it's a very confusing time for them because they're very aware of fake media and fake news and they have to try to build their own filters they're dedicated and concerned activists a lot of them are and i think you've got this very young thing click we're happy we've done something but i do think they have a sense that they need more than that to be able to make a sustained move for change the kind of change that they want they're they're enthralled by alexandria casio cortez who can't be seen as a lightweight by any means you know listen carefully to what she's saying her green new deal the things that she's setting out so yeah on one hand they're doing TikTok dances and bake-offs and on the other hand they are you know looking at the looking at how they can mobilize themselves very seriously um just on, on the note of transgenerational i think one of our greatest um thinkers and people who are looking at what's possible at this juncture in terms of getting ourselves out of this mess is Jonathan Porritt and his new book has just been released and that's called Hope in Hell and in that book he explains very very clearly where we're at. He's really good at making clear the interconnectedness of our system and the interdependency so if we do this then that and he's very clear that we need now to, um, you know, what he very clearly sets out clearly what we need to do if we're going to use this window of change that we've got. And, you know, he's a, a really big advocate of this intergenerational work collaboration. And I think that he's obviously somebody that is inspiring the, the you know, the very young generation coming up. And interestingly, uh, you know, Jonathan's also come to the conclusion that civil disobedience is one of the most powerful uh, tools that we have and possibly yeah. the only tool that we have at the moment which is very, very much aligns with where the young people are working from too. But, but I mean I, I'm going to bring in the, the boys in a second but before we get to that that's the thing you see I get all of what you've said and I, and I do buy into a lot of your arguments there but my, my counter would be I was you know out there marching for grants not loans we stormed Westminster Bridge we do all that when we're young and then even you said you sort of found yourself trying to change from the inside okay but we still have structures that work and they have to work we've seen through coronavirus we need a governance structure that helps us to survive whether it's been run well or not that's a matter of debate but the fact is it did work and it did save a lot of lives although it's, it's cost a few so to do what we need to for the planet are you talking about disassembling what we have or are you saying actually we've just got to find a way of taking the authorities we have now and just opening them up to different influences and opening them up because that's a tricky one because that's run by older people in their 40s and 50s and 60s who are used to things how, how do they how do they change because otherwise the, the other part you talk about is, is complete revolution isn't it well i think that you know the, the how and the when it's going to happen 
is very interesting, Suman. I think there's pressure coming from all sides of the system. You've got the, you know, the young people now really on the move. You've got, oh, you know, you've got um, the political structure, which is now very aware of the problem, though making uh, change at a glacial rate. You've got yeah. a body of, um, you know, of, of corporates. There's fabulous things happening in the business and the corporate yes. world. That, that there's huge transformation happening there. You know, they, they're much much more aware of how these things will affect businesses you've got some very progressive businesses leading so you've got pressure and then you've got you know i was going to when i with the old bit was was going to refer to people like me you know old activists <laughs> who are working at all all you know, different places of the system where we think that we can have influence so i think there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of movement and what there's what what shape you know if we do manage to tip things what shape that will change is probably um it's hard to predict, but it, you know, it's going to be a, a combination of all of those things with the increasing pressure that we have from, you know, from the from nature's authority itself saying you simply cannot. Yeah, from, from what we see. Um, let, let me bring, let, let me bring in uh, the guys. But let's start with Alex because Alex is always measured. Alex is always someone who likes a bit of authority. Um, have you just li listened to some revolutionary talk here, Alex? Um. Yeah, no, I think this is all, again, building. I agree you know, very much with Cindy that there, there is a more consensus on a, on a common collective outcome. Uh, I think there's far fewer people contesting the need for uh, a different outcome. And I think the debate over the last sort of, 10 years and very recently has moved on to, you know, who pays uh, in the past. Yeah. Angus sort of, you know, outlined how Gaia spent you know, many millennia building up this wonderful biosphere what Kate Raworth des you know, describes as the, the social and planetary boundaries that we have to live in within the donut economics and so you know the, the positive side of authority is it helps us with those complex choices where there are interdependencies between many systems uh, water land food energy to make choices between you know between the different societies and, and who pays for the past emissions and past damage and what's the affordability for future you know, just on energy and carbon emissions I, I think that's where the debate has got to you've got you know a lot of the currently rich west contesting that they should continue to fund and subsidize the future uh, and you've got you know those who with the growing economies in china and india saying you know, we want to benefit from the cheapest form of energy we want to use the resources that we've got available um, and you guys need to pay for the repair of the damage you've done already um, yeah. and, and i think an authority which is additional to what we have now in the positive sense can help guide us through those complex choices uh, because there will be some 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 gainers and some losers uh, depending on where those different choices are set as to who gets to go into the bank of gaia and, and consume what resources she's given us and how we manage and sustain those uh, so actually mm -hmm. I, I think we can get to a positive bit of an authority being an arbiter of those choices, then then would have done well. He's been sitting there, slowly brewing away, haven't you, Angus? Come on. Thank you, Simon. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Um, not, no, not, um, not in any negative. I, I really like what Cindy said. She's so eloquent. eloquent and um, But it can't be just a bunch of kids and some old duffers going, yeah, let's do some stuff. We, we've got to have people... So that, that, you know, exactly what Alex says, that says, well, hang on, India, China, you want to do this. Hang on, 
America, you want to do this? How do we protect the... It releases everybody, you know, and we've talked of commonality. Right. And if we get the right authority, we're, no one's going to feel cheated. One of the things I think with humans is like, well, if I, if I recycle more, if I lighten yeah. my industrial meta metabolism more, then the, the guy down the street isn't. And that's unfair. Yeah. So when you're talking about a whole race, and a whole earth system, no one wants to be cheated. So if we're all gonna go, let's, let's go. And that's where that authority comes from. And going back to the, to the kids and their hyperconnectivity, you know, I think the action when it comes, uh, with the threat of civil di disobedience, should we need it, when the action will be so sh short and sharp, because the allocation of personal sovereignty to build this authority will only take one minute, we'll open our phones, will have the biometrically valid um, ID, uh, and then you'll simply vote to allocate your personal sovereignty. So it's been a really short, sharp action, which changes everything. So it's terribly exciting. The right people will be there at the right time to form the correct constitution of the authority, and then it can go to work um, uh, obeying the rules of Gaia uh, and making sure that the whole of the whole of humanity, every single one of us, lives within the biophysical boundaries that's necessary. The one, the one thing I might disagree with Angus on there, I, I agree with the, the, the final conclusion is a simple click on a vote of personal sovereignty, but I, I do think there will be unrest to earn the right. I mean, even just on a, on a much simpler topic of Brexit, you know, the, the debate and the wranglings, whether to have the vote, what wording it had, etc. So yes, the final element will be uh, will be simple. But I, I do think you know, we'll need to continue to to fight for that right because the incumbent authorities will fear and uh, threat threat from it. I couldn't agree more. It's going to be a, a yeah. That, that's the point, isn't it? Yeah, there could be a blah blah. But Cindy, I mean, you've worked with organisations like you said. You advise governments with the UN. Isn't this the, just the job of the UN? We, we just go, look, this body already exists. We mandate some more authority to them to do this for us, for the greater good of the planet. Could it work? Well, um, Sim, I just have to go back, take two steps back there, because I'm, no, certainly not what I'm saying is not, it's not going to be a bunch of kids and duffers. I, and I think this does you know, support the, your, the question you're asking about the UN. I think there's a lot of really engaged people. If you look at nearly all the... Um, the referendums, the elections that we have, that they've hung, the, the Brexit was almost 50-50. The, you know, yeah. the, the election in America is almost 50-50. Australia's election, almost 50-50. Brazil, you know, but it's, it's just unfortunately with these things are landing, what happened in Poland last, two days ago, the Conservative, well, that was a bit of a, you know, a little bit further out, the, the British election, but still it's almost split down the middle. There's a lot of hugely engaged people that are asking loud and clear for a different type of, a different set of rules, a different type of authority. If, if something presents itself, which gives them that choice, it's not too hard to imagine people taking it. Um, the UN, I think you either have to work, the, the UN, you know, it's, a, it's, a, you know very, it's got its hu huge uses, but it is rather toothless at the moment. So mm. I think as they tune in, I think, you know, they've made some really commendable efforts, the UN SDGs, 
being that and I you know I hope that the upswell of interest that that's caused and the, the people moving behind that, that that has caused will help to contribute to more substantial change um, that we need but I still think that we have to be bold in our um, in what we're asking for you know, and uncompromising really because we are a clock is ticking so if you can't get the movement necessary within the UN you have to go around it and find the civil the means of connecting civil society to go around it. I mean, again, I agree with a lot of the things you've said, Cindy, but I'd put this point, which is, you know, it's, it's an it's a inflammatory point, but it's one I think you ought to make. Whether you're left wing or right wing, whether you agree with, you know, Bolsonaro, whether you agree with Duda, whether you agree with Trump, we're all still, you know, if we have a, an authority about the planet, putting it this way, the vote of a, a redneck and the vote of a, a, a communist should be equal, shouldn't it? It doesn't matter about their politics because... We, we all live on the planet Earth. Yeah, so no, I, sorry, Sumit, to interrupt. I completely agree with you there. And I think that's a matter of education. Yeah. I think people actually really understand what they're voting for. You'll actually see a different, you know, different outcomes in the votes. And I, you know, when you refer to rednecks or communists, you know, both of both, often people who have those more extreme views have come up through a system in which they've been heavily indoctrinated. I mean, oh. billions and billions of dollars are, are spent creating the American dream, the, Ameri the myth of American dream, everything through the school and system. And the same in, in China, communist China. Of and the same in communist China, that's right. So, you know, you'd hope that if we are, in order to have a vote, you have a clearer explanation of what people are voting for. I think that would be really important to be, you know, if you're talking about, you know, if we're talking about the Global Planet Authority, that there's a huge piece of work that's done on educating people who yes. they make that click so they really understand what they're asking for, what they're voting, you know, what they're asking for. I'm going to open this up to everyone, but that's the real problem, isn't it, everyone? Because if we don't have a way that, as you say, it doesn't matter where you are on the planet, or because th there is a problem with your, your utopia, Angus, which is what about the, the, the people who've got no digital access in poorer parts of the world? How are they going to make that vote? It's all very well us clued up here and in certain parts of the developing world clued up to, to, to click that button. But, but, you know, the fisherman with nothing in the back end of somewhere has got as much right as you have to, to, to decide the fate of the planet, but he may not be able to access it. So how do we create an authority that is truly one that represents us. These numbers are very important in terms of access. So 5 billion of us will be online in 2022 out of 7.8 billion. Right. So getting to the other, you know, 2 billion is not too difficult if, if it's targeted. And I'm sure that if we do build to, to a global vote, then there will be uh, people, uh, you can imagine that, that the, you know, of Silicon Valley and, and those types who will say it's absolutely necessary and have the resources to commit to it to spread the net even even wider so that everyone is, everyone who's 13 years and above, and that's what uh, I advocate, um, mm. would, would have access to it. So I think, it, I think the inclusion rates will be very, very high. Can an authority be created with what we have or do we need to completely rebuild let me ask you that cindy well that's um you know that's a, a, tr a tricky question i think there's um you know part of me does 
honestly thinks that the mod the current models we have aren't fit for purpose to be yeah you said that at the beginning yeah and i think that that's you know largely to do with how our economic system is designed because that sets the rules if you like for everything else and it has you know from imperialism all the way through to how our modern economic system now runs so it's unless you know we need to come up with something which which does allow a realignment of our economy, which is obviously based on extractive extinction, you know, endless growth, which does is simply not possible. Yeah. On a finite planet. So it has to be something that recalibrates that at core, or it's not going to work. Which again, you know, with with the Global Planet Authority, that you're, you know, that's setting a framework that everything has to work within the laws of you know of, of nature of, of what the biosphere will support. So that's you know that's that's that is possible possibly something that will turn the system uh but it's a tricky one my, my view on on this is um actually on this question on the environmental question the un bodies know what needs to be done yes um the intergovernmental panel on climate change we're talking about you know lists very clearly what needs to be done uh, to live within those um biophysical boundaries but doesn't have the conclusion to make us do it though does exactly so you know definition of madness do the same thing twice <laughs> expect a different result it's not going to happen so therefore there needs to be something different with a dedicated set of knowledge working exclusively on that topic uh, to, to get a better outcome um, no, now that, that can be born out of the specialists and we want to talk about you know, the yes. positive sides of authority that you know the technical specialist the technical authority to have yes. the knowledge and know-how can come from those existing bodies but then there needs to be the new executive powers in order to enforce the choices which the majority decide to live within let me just before we end let me just throw this little bombshell a bose bombshell in there what if this was all done by business what if this was driven by business, not by an authority or politicians or whatever? It was business going, right, we know what makes sense. We know what people are going to buy. So we're just going to now change the way we operate. Stuff you governments. We're going to do this because we know that that's where the, the dollars or the pounds or the yens are going to come. I'd, I'd go the same answer, definition of madness. B business has been known, known what this answer is for a long time and, and hasn't collectively been able to do it. So it, it's not going to happen again. And, and again, on the environmental aspects, the way that the business construct is working is it is, does not price in the externalities of the, the deductions from Gaia's natural capital, her, her bank account. Um, and so yeah. you know, those rules need to change in order for business to be able to, to lead. And then, you know, there, again, there's massive changes, massive improvements. Um, yet, um, you know, all of the statistics from the IPCC in the UK, the Committee for Climate Change, are saying we are living uh, in debt in the red, and our current plans do not do enough to re to rebalance the natural capital. I mean, Sydney, you you talked about that at the beginning. You said that an economic system may need to change. Do you think that could happen? Could businesses take the lead, or do you still think it needs some sort of political body? Well, I think that, you know, not to overlook the huge um, effort that are, is being made by some businesses and yeah. there's, there's huge progress there and there's Absolutely. some... Really we have to recognise that. Doing. I think that really does need to be recognised and, yeah. and, and encouraged and, and often, you know, the, the shifting ground of, of economics or how business has, is done has been a huge factor in bringing around, you know, some of the most 
morally uh, right changes like the end of apartheid, like the end of slavery, that they were very much driven by economics and business seeing it has to change. Yeah. So and I definitely think that they, they're, they're, there's a role for them. But it, what Alex is saying is, is also I also agree with is can that happen fast enough to do what we now need to do in the tiny bit of time that we have left? That you know that, that there's those businesses that are doing well. That needs to be, you know, a hundredfold amplified before we get the kind of effects that we need in the time that we've got. So, so to to end with everyone, to you know, let, let's go to Angus. What can we do then? What 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 do we do about this? How do we leave it to young people to educate themselves with a few wise sages and 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 come up with something or? Do we lobby the politicians to say, change your own house now and here's some ideas? How, how do we get this authority we need to help protect the planet? If we're going for the actual authority itself, we're going to go for that specialised technical authority with executive power. We have to look at ourselves 100%. And I think the first thing we have to do is truly believe that we're a global citizen. We have to sort of get up pace around your bedroom, into your living room, <laughs> and say a hundred times, I am a global citizen. And when that seeps in, when one realizes that that is the truth, then you say, okay, I'm a global citizen who happens to be living in Mumbai, or happens to be living in Sydney or London, or in Cambridge. I'm a global citizen, and what am I gonna do with that global citizenship? Because we are a global race that must protect the most valuable global asset, and we have to do it with a global authority. There has to be that line of fit. There has to be that constitutional form. It's our time and everybody, and I mean everybody, five, six, seven billion people are ready to go. All right. Cindy, your closing thoughts? Can authority change for good? Well, I think absolutely, definitely, and I think we have to change for good. If you know, we have um, we have our the option of um, of crashing the planet or learning how to fly it. So I think we yeah. learn how to fly it fast. We do. Alex, are you going to sit on the fence? I'll I'll start as I I'll finish as I start. It, uh, I'm cautiously optimistic that we will find a way. It, it, it will, we'll leave it late. It will cost us more than it needs to, but we will overcome it one way or another. Cindy, it's been wonderful having you on. You've, you've lightened up the show far better than the two dullards I'm normally with. So thank you so much for your time today. Hope you've enjoyed it. Such a pleasure, Cindy. I really, thanks very much for inviting me on. It's been a real pleasure. It's been a pleasure. And boys, really good stuff as ever. Remember, ladies and gents, subscribe to the podcast. We'll be back next week with another episode. But for now, this is Gaia Says No. Get involved. You've been listening to Gaia Says No, a Future Net Zero podcast. Please subscribe to Future Net Zero and this series for more updates. Future Net Zero. Better business, better planet.